You are listening to the VBAC Link podcast, episode number 37. Today, we have an exciting story for you from our friend Amy, who had a C section with a classical scar, then had a second C section with a low transverse incision, and then had a successful VBAC after two C sections with a special scar. And boy, is this an exciting story! But first, Megan has our review of the week. Yes, and let me just remind you, Bomquisha, this episode is for you. <laughs> she was um, one of our other reviews, and she talked about her VBAC, her planning a VBAC after two C-sections. So this is going to be a great episode. So we have the review today from, I don't even know how to say these names. It's so crazy. Nan how would you say Nan that? <laughs> <clears throat> you guys got to get From a little simpler on your usernames <laughs> if you want to be on the podcast. Ah, well, from Nan Grandi. I don't know how to say it. We're so sorry for watching that. But hers says, women need to know that their labor and child's birth matters. Information, choices, and support are necessary. This podcast gives women a variety of all of the above and more. I am planning a VBAC after two C-sections, and this is my go-to podcast. So this is also for you. This episode is also for you. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, so really quick, before we get into our awesome episode from Amy, I wanted to just share a really quick tip. So swelling during pregnancy, this is something that is very common. And this is something that can happen in those hot summer months or just even in your third trimester, even your (laughs) second trimester. Um, Hypertension, preeclampsia, you know, swelling is common. So something I want to also remind all of you mamas is if you have swelling that seems out of control or is just concerning, make sure to consult your doctor. But here are a few really quick tips to hopefully help manage that swelling. Number one is hydration. Drinking a lot of fluids, staying hydrated, and adding citrus fruit to your water can reduce that swelling. Number two is coriander seeds. This one, it was totally new to me. It was suggested to me after I was probably swollen for Oh, I would say two months and I didn't even have feet. I wouldn't even call them the feet. They were they were <laughs> trunks. And someone told me to take this. So coriander seeds. So what you do is, because um, they've been proven to help with swelling and everything, you brew 100 grams of coriander seeds into two liters of water. And then once that's been brewed, you put whatever swollen feet, hands into the water for 10 minutes. So that is an awesome tip for you. Yeah. And then enrich your diet in vitamin E. So olives, spinach, sweet potatoes, almonds, peanut butter, there's so much more. Vitamin E will truly help reduce swelling. Just like it does like when you get sunburnt, you put aloe vera, vitamin E on your sunburn. Makes so much sense. Yeah. So if you put it into your body, it can help replenish and reduce that swelling. Perfect. Those are some great tips. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. 
Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Good morning, women of strength. It is Wednesday again. And in case you didn't know, I'm excited (laughs) to be here with you. And boy, what a lineup of stories we've had so far. You guys, it has been 37 episodes, and I am just continually amazed at all of the strength we hear week in and week out and and you're just incredible you everyone that's listening you're incredible i know it i can just feel it in my bones that you are incredible and i want to just talk a little bit at the beginning our episode today is from our friend amy and she is a local mom here to utah she lives in Layton, utah and her first birth was a twin birth and it was a c-section with just a classical incision and and the classical incision is one that goes vertical so like up and down through the top of the uterus rather than like the low horizontal incision called low transverse that that is most common anymore and so her classical incision was because of her twins were a little premature and so then her second birth was a another c-section and it was the low transverse incision. And then her third birth was a VBAC. So she had a VBAC after two C-sections. One of those was a classical incision. And guys, if you want to know anything about VBAC statistics or uterine rupture or anything like that, all you need to do, besides listening to our podcast, of course, is talk to a mom with a classical scar that has had or is trying to be back. Because let me tell you, the wealth of knowledge and information that these women have and the amount of time they dedicate to getting the birth that they want is truly inspiring. It is phenomenal. And we have had so far to date four special scar stories on our episode. We've had episode 17 with Leslie. We've had episode 32 with Bronwyn. Episode 34 is Mandy's story. And guys, Amy's is just another incredible story of overcoming a lot of misinformation, really, and making an educated decision based on facts and finding a supportive provider to carry her through to the birth that she wanted. And so I... And just going to go ahead and, and give it to Amy to share your story with us. Okay, sounds good. I'm really excited. I'm nervous too, but partly I think just because I was trying to think, oh my goodness, how am I going to tell everything? Because my memory, I feel like, <laughs> sometimes like frozen when oh. I try to talk. But <laughs> get it. We are so. right there with you. <laughs> yeah, so I was like writing down, oh, I want to talk about this, so... My husband and I have been married for 10 years, and about a year or so after we were married, year and a half, we were excited to find out we were pregnant, and we found out about three months in that I had miscarried, and then it happened a few months later again, and so then I was like, oh, what do I do, and so I decided, you know, I want to look into 
what exactly this might be, what's going on, because I was just really worried because I had kept miscarrying. And so I decided to go to a fertility specialist. And at that point, we were living in Rexburg, Idaho. And so really the closest one was in Idaho Falls. So I went to this doctor, and he ended up putting me on Clomid. I felt like I should add that quick little <laughs> thing in there because maybe was a Clomid baby too. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, okay. And he's like, just so you know, that increases your chance of twins. And I was like, well, oh, that's okay. You know, whatever we end up with, we just really want a baby. And, and so I was able to get pregnant and they were like, well, let's put you on progesterone and baby aspirin too, just kind of as precaution, and I'm taking this and these things, and I have an ultrasound, and he's like, oh, congratulations, you're having twins. And I really thought my husband was going to faint. It looked like all the blood drained from his face. But (laughs) we're getting to the point where I had just started my second trimester, and I remember it was around that time that the doctor, I believe he had said that he thought he could see a subchorionic hematoma. And from what he had told me and what I had looked into it, it's a blood clot that is behind the placenta. And he just said, well, it should dissolve. And we were like, okay. And I was about 16 weeks when I started having a lot of bleeding. So I called my husband and he rushed me to the emergency room. We only had one car and he had it at the time. (laughs) So I went there, and they thought I was miscarrying, and they just said, oh, you can just stay here until they pass. And I was like, well, can I have an ultrasound? And so I had to wait for like an hour for the ultrasound. But they finally came in, and they said, oh, they're okay. You know, maybe it's that hematoma that maybe it's acting up and causing a little bit of the bleeding. And so my doctor decided, you know what? I would go on bed rest, and so it was about 16, 17 weeks I was put on bed rest, and I was on bed rest up until I was about 26 and a half weeks along with my twin girls, their girls, and I woke up one night, and I was like, something feels weird, and asked my husband to turn on the lights, and I just had a lot of blood. And I was like, oh, no, not again. And so in a panic, we rushed to the emergency room in Rexburg again. And I had been going to Idaho Falls to Ermac. And the doctor there at Rexburg had said, oh, let's just do a C-section right now. You know, you're kind of having these contractions and you're bleeding. And I said, please just call my doctor. And my doctor said, oh, you know, if she's stable enough, I want a life lighter to Ermac. And so they did that. And I was there for about five days, I believe. And they at first had talked about, oh, if you seem to stabilize, we'll just send you home. And then they had said, oh, you know, we're kind of worried because of some other things that 
they just were concerned about. I'm trying to remember. Oh, I think they thought one of my girls had a hole in her heart. And so they said, oh, let's send you to the University of Utah. And so they put me in an ambulance and (laughs) sent me to the University of Utah. I don't know why they didn't send me on an airplane because that was a really long four-hour drive. (laughs) I don't know why exactly they picked that, but I was at the U for a few days. I believe it was another three or four days, and I had had antibiotics because they thought that my water might have broken, and so it was around that time they had stopped the antibiotics, and because my IVs, I think they were just thinking to give me a break, I guess. I'm not quite sure. They never really even told me, but I think they were going to start it up soon, but I got an infection, I guess, from my water having broken. And so I just hit 28 weeks that day, and they took me in because I started having contractions and some bleeding again, and my temperature got up to like 103. It was really terrifying, but they did uh, the classical C-section, and that's kind of just what did the domino effect of then the next time we decided to try, we were concerned, but I ended up having another miscarriage after my twins, and they were in the, well, I should backtrack a little bit, they were in the NICU for about three and a half months, and I I kind of just pushed forward, even though I I was really suffering from postpartum depression, and there was just a lot going on, and even the C-section was really difficult. I had to go to a therapist for a while because I had uh, PTSD from it, because just how bad it was and the epidural didn't take quite all the way on my left side. I'm trying to remember what that's even, I don't know if there's a term for that or not. Like I worked pretty well through it, but once I was pregnant after that miscarriage in between my girls and my next child, my little boy, I didn't get have Clomid that time with my little boy. And I... Occasionally saw Dr. Silver, but he wasn't the one that was my main doctor. And I was going to him, and I can't even remember what his name is, because I think what ended up happening is that the doctor at that hospital that was over him, I was about 37 weeks, he called me in for a meeting, and he said that we're not going to do a VBAC, even though we had been planning on it most of the time. And when I had seen Dr. Silver, he wasn't like the head uh, maternal fetal medicine doctor at that hospital that I'd gone to with my son almost four years ago. So since he was, this other doctor was the head of it, I guess he made the final decision. And he said, no, we're not going to, we really don't want to do this. And I just kept saying, I really, really want to. I don't want to go through another C-section. I just, 
the amount of like anxiety that even just thinking of another C-section put me into, like I would just, I couldn't breathe. And my husband was like, I don't, I don't know if she can like emotionally go through it again. And he, I know at that point he had even just said, well, if anything were to even go wrong, I would probably just need to do a hysterectomy on you after oh gosh. I delivered the baby. And I was just like, why? And he was just, he didn't give me an answer. And I was just, I, I don't know if it was a scare thing just to push me into it. And my husband, after our meeting, he just said, well, I'm going to schedule it for this day. And well, actually he said, I'm going to have somebody call you to schedule it tomorrow. And my husband was like, I'm just terrified that if anything goes wrong, he didn't really clarify, like, how serious or how little. He just was like, I'm terrified that you we won't have any control over it. We were just not sure, you know. We just kind of felt like our hands were tied, and so we were just like, you know, we don't want to have that happen, so I guess I just should have a C-section. And so... I went through with the C-section, but I said, I need a few days. At that point, I was close to 38 weeks, and so I wanted to reach 38 weeks. And with classicals, they really try to have you do it like 36 weeks. They don't like you to go too far over more just because they don't have a lot of information regarding past that because they usually just try to, okay, let's just have a C-section because we really don't want to take any chances because we don't know. And so I had hit 38 weeks and I wasn't having any issues, but that was the day that they were like, we don't want to go past this day for my son. And so I went in and I remember I called the midwives because some of them had been ones that I'd worked with at that hospital and they had done some of the appointments with me and I just said you know I don't think I can do this alone can somebody be there with me and so one of them was there and I had a panic attack on the you know in the operating room I was just bawling and I couldn't breathe and she just she talked me through it and she just said you know what I I know this is not what you want but you're gonna have this baby and everything will be okay and I I think I was just like, how do you know? <laughs> you know, just from how crazy it was with my twins, just they were so small. I I didn't know what to expect with kind of just anything else, and so it was uh, it was a lot better in retrospect looking back, like compared to my girls' delivery, just because I felt a lot on my left side because it didn't take as well, I guess, but just emotionally having all of that get recalled, just it really threw me and it even was just hard to, after having my baby, just thinking about either deliveries, just it was not a pleasant thing for me and like being able to have the babies was of course just once they were there, that was what made it worth it, of course. But a few years later, this year, 
when we were expecting my little boy. He just turned seven months old yesterday. But I, when we found out we were expecting, I was panicking because I was like, what do I do? I don't want to go through this again with the C-section. And with my other boy, I had been like very, okay, if I'm going to have a C-section, it has to be this, 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 and this, because I was like, I don't want to have another classical. I don't want to, I really didn't want to have things like totally out of my hands because it kind of just feels like that, just being strapped down and (laughs) everything. But I was like, if I can, I really just want to try for a VBAC. I want to see if I can do this because I had looked into the all those studies, like you had said at the beginning. Yeah. I I looked into it. I was like, you know what? Both have risks, and I feel better about the VBAC, just trying for it, especially just if I have somebody that I feel good about working with, my doctor, whichever one I could find because with my little boy from four that I had four years ago, I had gone to, I think it was eight to ten doctors and repeatedly, no, no, we're doing, I, I'm not going to do a VBAC, not going to do a oh VBAC. And the last one, they were kind of like on the fence and that, you know, towards the end, they had said, well, we'll see. And then at the end, it, I didn't know what else to do. And I, at that point, I didn't realize I could have tried to find another doctor, but I really didn't know who to go to exactly. Yeah. And my insurance didn't take going back to the U to see Dr. Silver because I guess he didn't deliver at this other hospital. And so I was like, ah. So with this little boy that I have this year, I was like, okay, our insurance will go to the U now. I really want to try and see if I can see Dr. Silver because you just have to have high risk to be able to see him. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm considered high risk technically because so, of so many miscarriages and my classical. And so I went to him and he said, you know what? Like, I wouldn't say, oh, go, let's do a VBAC. But he said, it's your choice. I'm going to just go with you on this journey and we'll see how things go. And he was really diligent about making sure I knew the facts. And he was just like, okay, you know, here's the facts about a VBAC for you and here's the facts about a repeat C-section. And I just said, you know, I want to try for this VBAC. I will make sure that I do my part and... I just really want to try, and so he was actually, like, at the beginning, every week he'd be like, well, you know, these are the risks and everything, and I was like, yep, I know, and he's like, okay, I just want to make sure you know, and so we get to where I'm in my third trimester, and everything's going great with the baby, and he can tell that I'm getting more and more nervous as it gets closer, because I'm worried about you know, having a flip-flop again (laughs) and having to have a C-section or if anything were to go off, go wrong. And so I, um, I was pretty nervous. I remember one day going in and he's like, you know what, 
it's when you think positively that usually things go well. And he's like, not saying that <laughs> if you're worried that things are going to go wrong, but he said that's when, if you think positively, that even improves your feedback so much more, just getting yeah. things. And so I was like, okay, I need to just calm down because I think just panic was setting in for me. And I just, I think my trust of doctors was a little bit weary because I had seen so many before that, and I was so nervous. But I ended up, so I was almost 40 weeks pregnant at that point where I was like, ah, I'm getting nervous because we hadn't really talked too much about how far, I guess, like, he would feel comfortable with me going. And so I was like, oh, I really want to have this baby before I get to 40 weeks just so he doesn't get nervous or anything. And I was pretty certain from talking to other special scars moms that they had said that their doctors were usually like, oh, between 40 and 41 weeks if you're trying for a VBAC, if they had a doctor that was willing to work with them on that, that they kind of get a little bit nervous just because of the unknown of it because not many doctors have tried to usually help moms, I guess. And so I was like mm, three days shy of my 40-week mark. I started having contractions, and I was like, yay! I'm so excited. (laughs) I can totally relate to that. (laughs) Yeah, I was just like, oh, I'm so excited, because I was like, other than, like, having the preterm labor with my girls, my twins, I hadn't had the contractions that would lead up to having a baby before, just the normal way, (laughs) having a vaginal birth. And so I was like, oh, I'm excited, and... Oh, I forgot to add, I I think I was in my first trimester at that point, that some other ladies, special scars ladies, had said, you really, really should get a doula. And so I was like, okay. And so I ended up having someone I knew, um, her name's Candace. She reached out to me and she was like, I'm actually a doula. I'd love to work with you. And so I was like, yeah, oh, I know awesome. her. So Candace was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. And so she was there for me, and she was a, she was awesome. She would invite me to all of the I can stuff and anything to kind of help give me support because she could tell I was just like, ah, I'm so, like, nervous about just not sure how things would go towards the end because I hadn't had a baby the naturally before it always just had c-sections and so I was like okay and so we made like the positive affirmations and everything and she was really cute she hung that up for me at in our my birthing room and it was just really just it was neat but I remember my doctor had even said like as soon as you start having contractions come in and so I went in and I was thinking, okay, maybe I'm like a three or a four or something. And they're like, oh, you're almost to a two. And I'm like, oh, darn it, what's going on? And so I was thinking they'd keep me. And Candace was kind of like, oh, I kind of hope they like go home. <laughs> I was like, I kind of want to go home too. I don't really want to stay here forever. And because it was not even quite, it, 
shy of a two, and so I I was worried that after the nurse left and got the doctor that they would be like, okay, you're here for the next however long it takes until you have a baby. And so I was surprised when they sent me home. And so we drive back home and I just, for the next day, like, I guess I was just having really slow labor because it was almost three days until I had my baby. But I waited another... 24 hours and then I was getting just stronger and Candace was awesome though because she was like she checked to see about the head and she said it feels like he's slightly turned like his body I guess she checked his body and she's like I think we should do the mile circuit I think is what it's called yeah we love that so we did yeah we did that and it was like 12 o'clock at night (laughs) we're doing that with her outside and in my house and <laughs> we're kind of just walking around everywhere and just she was awesome about helping me with that and um and so we go back and it's Friday the 23rd and we get there and I'm like oh maybe I'm like a five or a six and we get there and they're like well you're like a three and a half I'm like oh my oh. gosh <laughs> I was like oh this is taking you forever but then they checked me in and it's I mean, it took a while. I was probably there, like, around 20 hours. But I was, what was surprising is I think I was the only, I really was the only laboring mom walking around in the, yeah. the halls. Yeah. And I was just like, what's going on? I was like, where is everybody? And they had told me it was pretty full. I was, it was surprising. I was just like, okay, all right, well. So we just kept walking around as much as I could because Candace especially was like, let's try and just help this baby along. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, I forgot to add, like, they had tried for my IV, like, I think it was three times, two or three times, and my veins, I can't remember what it was called, but, like, it collapsed or something every time oh, they did it. no. And so they uh, had the anesthesiologist come in and do it and put it in my wrist, the IV, because they were like, okay, we really want to have it there. Like, they wanted to at least have a HEP lock. And I was like, okay, that's good for me. I don't care. I was like, you know, if that's something that I need to have so that you guys are comfortable, that's okay. So. Yeah, but, like, the so wrist I, is, like, the worst place ever to put that. Oh, my gosh. You, yeah. You poor thing. Oh. Yeah, I was just like, please be gentle. And he was like, I will do everything I can to make this as comfortable as I can. And I was like, okay, please. And I remember he even was rubbing my hands where that had happened because they were swollen and just bruised all the other places they had tried. Oh. And he, I was like, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> And so by the time it was 20 hours later, I was just like, what am I, I kind of didn't want them to tell me too much more because I was getting really, I didn't want them to check me too much either because I was like, I just didn't like it. And I knew that after my water broke, like, I just didn't want to increase any chances of infection or anything. And I was just... I think I was just getting nervous. I didn't want anything to go wrong. And 
So I remember they checked me about 10 o'clock at night, and they're like, well, you're around a 7 or 8, and I was getting so tired because I hadn't been sleeping very well. Just, yeah, and you've been working hard all day. Yeah, and so I had been planning on an all-natural birth, and then I was just like, I really, really feel like I need something. And so they brought me the, I'm trying to remember what that's called, the mask. It's the laughing gas. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, nitrous, right? Yes, nitrous. Yes, that's like, it. Like you get at the dentist. <laughs> yes. So they gave me that, and it helped a little bit, but as time was going on, I was just like, oh, this really isn't. And they even, I think it was around probably 8 or 9 o'clock, they were like, you are just having a really slow labor. So we have consulted with your doctor and the other people on the team, and we feel like that we need to give you Pitocin. And I was like, ah, what? (laughs) Because I knew that that could be something that could increase the risk of rupture, especially for me. Mm -hmm. And so I was just, like, panicking. I was like, are you, what, are you sure? Like, I don't, and they're like, you know, we're not going to, like, pump you full of it, but, you know, we want to, give you some just to help you along and so that did help and it helped push it but I remember around eight seven or eight I believe I was like I really need an epidural because <laughs> it was just taking so long and I was exhausted and Candace was even just like you do what you want but you need to rest as much as you can and I was like I yeah. can't rest I'm like panicking and I think my body just tensing up was making it worse at that point because I had been pretty good earlier on to relax through contractions but this time was going on and being so tired, just, it was hard. And so I got not a full-on epidural because by the, by the time I was pushing at about 12.30 in the morning, I was able to get up, like, on the bed and push. But, like, two hours into pushing, they were just like, okay, you know, we think his head is kind of slightly tilted, so he was kind of stuck, and they came in, and they were just like, okay, Amy, it's your choice. Either we can try forceps, or we can do a C-section, and I was like, oh, I'm finally to this point, and, like, I, they'd even said, oh, you can feel his head, and I could feel it, and I was just touching it with my fingers, and I was just like, you know, let's just try the forceps, and they were just like, okay, we really only want to try one or two pushes and if this doesn't work we really need to just go for the c-section and I was like okay (sighs) and I remember I was just praying 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 and they um were getting stuff ready with the forceps and it was actually a different doctor that had to come in because it was two doctors actually two other doctors because Dr. Silver had to leave for something. I think there was some other emergency that he had to go to, and he's like, you know what, you're doing okay. Just, I trust these two. And so they came, and and I was falling asleep at that point because I'd been up for almost three full days. Mm. And so I just had the thought, oh, put ice behind your neck. And that woke me up. Like, I put a giant thing of ice behind my neck, and they're like, okay, you're going to push while we do our stuff with the forceps and so he did it and in one push he came and I was just like oh thank heaven and 
they even were just like, oh, he's here. He's so cute. And Aww. I just said, thank you. Thank you so much. And they were like, you did all the work. We just kind of helped readjust his head, and you did it. And yeah. they were like, good work. Good job. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Did this just, did this just happen? <laughs> it was kind of just like, what did, What even? I I couldn't even fathom it. It was just all of a sudden... And it was amazing. I felt like I was on cloud nine. I just had worked so hard just to find somebody to work with me. And, yeah, it was amazing. And what was funny, though, is when they were cleaning him off, because I had said, I want him directly on my chest if he's doing okay. And so they did that. And then they were just patting him dry as um, he was on my chest. And they were like, he's kind of got a interesting belly button. And they were like, we've never seen this before, but his belly button had been wrapped up around the umbilical cord, like about an inch and a half. And so they were wow. like, that's really strange. And so he and his, he was a little bit smaller. He was six pounds, seven ounces compared to my little boy who was even two weeks earlier than him, who was like seven pounds, 12 ounces. And they had even said to me, they were like, oh, his umbilical cord is a little small maybe there's something going on with that I don't know they had said everything looks okay though it just looks a little small and they actually had to when they were trying to help the placenta come out because I guess I I think they probably could have waited a little bit longer for the placenta but they tried to pull on it and I guess the umbilical cord snapped and so she had to manually get it out (laughs) And she was like, it's probably good you have an epidural. <laughs> she yeah. was like, <laughs> yeah. was like, oh, my gosh. So, but, yeah, that it was, it was amazing. I mean, it was a different recovery, but I felt like it was better, and it was what I wanted. And I felt so much more connected to the experience versus with a C-section. Like, just, it just felt very disconnected. For me, just not feeling in control, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, scary, but in some parts, I feel like that was kind of just normal. Sometimes there's little things that pop up, but nothing that, and they were like, oh, your scar is perfect. Everything is great. And I was like, yay, I did it. That is so so awesome. Like, seriously, that yeah. is really awesome. I, I love your story. It is so good. And I am so glad that you were with that doctor at that hospital because that hospital has a reputation around here for being very patient. And, yeah. and that's good because it means that they're willing to wait as long as there's not, you know, an emergency, like a real emergency. Yeah. They're really good at waiting and just and watching as long as mama and baby are doing good. and. Yeah. I mean, up until recently, I hadn't ever attended a birth there as a doula that was less than two days long. And I'm sure yeah. it's kind of like just luck, you know. I, and I know that not every birth that's there is two days long for sure. But there's something to be said about that, that they, that they are willing to be patient and willing to wait and willing to, to help to avoid a C-section. And, and I love that. Yeah. And I'm glad that you were supported while you were there. One yeah. thing that... 
we talk a lot, you know, like the scariest thing about VBAC is uterine rupture. And, and yeah. even, and it's even scarier when you're talking about classical scars. I mean, to people, like, you know, just when people mm-hmm. are like, oh my gosh, like I got yelled at the other day on Facebook. Isn't Facebook awesome? By a lady yeah. in, a, I know, in, a, in a Facebook group, uh, there's a woman asking about VBAC after two C-sections. And mm-hmm. one comment said that I would run the other way if my doctor even told me that that was a possibility to have a VBAC after two C-sections because the risk is great. You have a risk of one in 55 risk of a rupture Whoa. when you have two C-sections. And like none of those data and information that she was throwing out was was yeah. true. It was all just yeah. scare tactics. And she's like, my doctor told me, my doctor told me. And so I just, I, I commented and I, I nicely replied and I said, where are you getting your data? Because I literally wrote a manual about VBAC that is uh, yeah. over 100 pages long. And I dug, in, I mean, like me and Megan wanted to make sure that we had the most correct information in our manual. So we, we spent hours yeah. and hours digging through studies and information and evidence and science and what is really true so that we could bring you this. And so she like firing back at me saying how dare I say that it's not that much riskier and anyways. So I just yeah. I just threw down our blog on feedback after multiple C sections and mm-hmm. just say there's a lot of data in this blog. So feel free to look at it. And she did not comment back. So, guys, I just, I want you to know that there's a lot of fear surrounding VBAC. And fear is not your friend, especially when you're getting ready to birth. So, a lot of, I mean, just by listening to this podcast and just by being here with us today, it shows me that you guys are doing the work. You guys are getting the information and you're preparing in all the right ways for your VBAC. And... If you want information on VBAC in general, but especially VBAC after two or more C-sections and a VBAC after a special scar, head on over to our blog, thevbaclink.com slash blog. Do a quick search there for VBAMC, so that's VBAC after multiple C-sections abbreviated, and also the search for special scars because... Like I said, May and I spent a lot of time finding the most accurate information for our book, for our online courses and our in-person courses, but you don't even have to take those to get that particular uh, bit of data, so head on over to our blog and find that out. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to thevbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.